Hello and welcome to the Early Careers Insights podcast. This series focuses on the Solicitor Apprenticeship Programme. If you're listening for the first time, my name is Lizzie and I'm a third year Solicitor Apprentice. This episode is going to focus on three of the practice areas we have here at Mishcon. The Corporate Department, the Innovation Department and the Dispute Resolution Department. So first up, let's find out about the Corporate Department. I'm joined by Ria, a second year solicitor apprentice, and Lydia, a managing associate in the core corporate team. Lydia, can you explain to us what kind of work the corporate department do? Of course. So we are a full service corporate practice in London. What that means is that we do a whole host of corporate things. For example, M&A, which is a fancy word for mergers and acquisitions, which means buying and selling companies. We do joint ventures. We do reorganizations. We do governance matters. We do the whole host of corporate things. And what type of clients does the corporate team usually act for? So the corporate team acts for a whole range of clients. Typically, our work is in the private limited company space, as opposed to the public limited company space. But within that private sector, we have dynamic businesses, we have SMEs, we have entrepreneurs, we have startups, early stage clients too. We have individuals as well. And we work across the firm in all sorts of corporate matters as well. So does the corporate team collaborate quite a lot with the different departments? We do, absolutely. We work very frequently, me in particular, with our private colleagues, our immigration colleagues, our litigation colleagues, because all clients across the firm tend to have a corporate interest in some respect, whether that's a shareholding in a company or they're a director of a company or they have some kind of interest in a company which requires a specialist company knowledge. It sounds like you enjoy this collaborative work with a wide range of clients. Is that what drew you to corporate work? Completely. The nature of corporate work is that it's so far-reaching. The clients are different, the transactions are different, every day is different. So while you are applying the same company law principles to certain matters, every situation is different. So it's, it keeps for a very interesting workload and a wide range of skills as well. What is the majority of the work that the corporate team does? So we do a lot of our work in the mergers and acquisitions space, which means buying and selling companies. And often if you are buying a company, you will do what's called due diligence, which means you pull back the curtain behind the company and have a look around to see what's going on behind the scenes. You have a look who are the employees, what's the nature of the business, the intellectual property rights, and all sorts of things that operate the company. Ria, you've done some research into companies, haven't you? Yep. So I go onto this website called Companies House where you can find basically all the information about a company. But then I also will go on the company's own websites and delve into what they have in there as well. And what other type of work have you been doing in the team, Ria? So I'm still quite new, but some of the things that I've been involved in is drafting indemnity letters which is basically a contractual obligation to compensate for the loss of something to the other side. I've also drafted resignation letters, which is quite black and white. It's basically, for example, a CEO resigning from a company, we would draft a letter on their behalf. I've also learned how to put together board minutes, which is detailed notes of decisions that are made by board members during a meeting. Yeah, that's all I've kind of got involved in so far. But I know, Lydia, you've been a supervisor for a past apprentice, so maybe you can explain what else they do. Yeah, absolutely. And with these M&A transactions, they require a lot of people doing lots of different things. So solicitor apprentice assistance on these big deals is completely invaluable. As Ria says, 
we need help pulling together hundreds of documents to facilitate these deals. And of course, the solicitor apprentices pre-RIA have helped with all that sort of work as well. In addition, as she says, looking at companies, sort of really evaluating what the companies do as part of this due diligence process when you're acting for a buyer. The other types of things that our solicitor apprentices and corporate have done have been looking into deals within the market. It's really important that we keep up to speed with what's happening across the corporate market in the city. And that includes keeping up to speed with what the different sectors are up to, what's happening behind the scenes of the big companies, what are the market trends. So here at Mishcon, we work across the sectors. We do a lot of work in retail and leisure. We do a lot of work in real estate. We do a lot of work in technology and private equity too. So our solicitor apprentices in the past have done a lot of work with our BD departments to really understand what those sectors are doing. In addition to M&A, joint ventures and private equity transactional work, the department also does a lot of advisory work. And that includes working with our colleagues across the firm in relation to litigation matters. Something that our corporate colleagues are doing at the minute is what you call shareholder activism, which is a way for a shareholder to utilise certain rights and powers they have in the Companies Act to effectively cause, trigger change within the company. So, for example, there are certain rights in the Companies Act that you can use to change the composition of a board of a big company. You may well want to put somebody on a board who has favourable views to you. For example, ESG views or views about another sort of societal or cultural matter. And there is a very interesting things that you can do from a company law perspective to really trigger those changes. And we are seeing many shareholders of all sorts of sizes across all sorts of companies coming to us to understand what are their rights at law as shareholders to really facilitate change. Okay, well, thank you, Lydia and Ria, for speaking to me today. It's been great to hear what you get up to in the corporate team. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So for the next part of this episode, we're going to be discussing the work of the Innovation Department. I'm joined again by Ria, a second-year solicitor apprentice, and also by Dom, an associate in the Brands team. Dom, could you explain to us what the Innovation Department do? I can. It's a fairly new department. It's also a very big department. I sit in the IP, intellectual property side of it, but it's, it's quite broad. So there's IP, which is trademarks, copyright, designs, patents, and a sort of full mix of from filing a mark, which is applying for the trademark through to sort of strategy and portfolio management and also litigation. There's also a commercial team that looks at sort of sponsorship and contracts and that sort of thing. There's a sport team, which is possibly what some of the people listening to this might be most interested in. So working with all different sports people across a broad range of things from player contracts through to sponsorship deals with different brands, that sort of thing. There's also a data team, which is looking at privacy and GDPR. And then there's some sort of cool, new, not particularly law firmy bits to the department. So MDR Tech, which is headed up by Tom Grogan, and it's futuristic. It's sort of building software for clients and very techy and a really interesting offering of Mishcon that 
doesn't feel particularly like a, a London law firm, but a really exciting part of the team. There's also MTech, which is headed up by Andrew Wolfen, and that looks at helping startup companies, giving them sort of the early advice, mainly legal advice, but I guess just sort of general commercial advice as well. There's a few other bits of the department. There's betting and gaming, which is in the gambling sector, there's a lot of regulations, and they advise clients in relation to that. There's also competition, which is, so if you think of two big companies merging, does that cause any sort of market share issues, that sort of thing. And I'm sitting here panicking that I will have left someone out, but I think that's a sort of fairly decent summary of the the different bits and pieces that make up innovation. I see. That all sounds quite exciting and quite varied. I bet when you went into that team, you were really looking forward to the range of work that you might be doing, Ria. Yeah, because it was quite a new department, I didn't really know what to expect. And I sat in the brands team where Dom is sitting as well. As an apprentice in the brands team, you kind of feel half of the role that a formalities assistant would do. So a formalities assistant is essentially an admin assistant. And within that role, I did things like email drafting, where I would kind of draft up the body of an email and I'll send it on to the paralegal and they would take it from there. I did a lot of updating our internal systems. We have something called IPO, which is basically where we update the trademarks that we look after, their details and their renewal dates and so on. And dealing with a lot of registration certificates, a lot of posts. Dom, you're now a supervisor to the new apprentice. Is there anything different that you're going to be giving them? Yes, I would say also that it's sort of phrased as sort of formalities and admin, but that is honestly one of the most crucial roles in the sort of the IP brands team because it's a fairly deadline heavy department. We we deal with trademark oppositions and trademark invalidity actions and various different sort of litigation pieces and everything has a deadline. Trademark filings, there's deadlines coming up all the time. And without the formalities team and the work they do, we would be in a lot of trouble. So it's, it's really key work and they help the whole team, all of the supervisors and the associates and the partners. They let them know when the deadlines are and they make sure everything's organized. And you talked about the posts. So there's some things come in, not electronically and, and sort of in sort of physical copies. And it's, it's dealing with all that and making sure that nothing is missed and we're on top of everything. In terms of other things that the apprentice might get involved in. So I would say the admin side is brilliant, especially for like a first year apprentice where you may not have worked in anywhere before and it's new to you and therefore having something that there's an element of repetition and you get to sort of build up the skills and do it time and time again until you get really used to it is is actually really good work to have when you just join. But I think you saw that when you develop through the seat or in the, the later months, you got involved in sort of helping on some of the matters. So whether it's, we file a lot of evidence in our department and helping to find evidence of use of a trademark, which means going on Instagram and going on Twitter and seeing where the mark is used, looking at the company's website and sort of collating that evidence. Evidence collation is something that an apprentice gets involved in. Also, there's quite a lot of research. We don't know everything, at least not initially, and therefore often we're dealing with cases where the law may not be clear and we need to look it up and find out what we think it is. And, and the apprentice often gets involved in the, the research side of things. 
it was a really nice team to start in just because I wasn't really overwhelmed by a lot of the legal knowledge. It was quite straightforward and it was just a nice place to settle in and get to know everyone. I'm assuming with the wide-ranging work that you do, you also work with a real mix of interesting clients as well. We do. It is a really broad range of clients. Sometimes it is an individual. They might not have come to a law firm before. And when you get that type of client, you really have to sort of talk them through everything, explain things in slightly more detail. But we also work with huge corporations, the, sort of the shops on the high street that you'll have seen, big brands, big tech companies. I, I've got to admit, when I chose to qualify into IP, one of the things that attracted me to it were the range of clients. And in my view, quite cool clients. There's a lot of music artists, cool tech companies where you probably have the apps on your phone and it's interesting to work with them and develop their brand and think about what sort of IP protection should they have? Do they need to file a trademark to protect their brand? What new other sort of side brands are they launching that we can help them with? I suppose to give a couple of examples, we are working at the moment with the supermarket chain Iceland, and they are in a major trademark dispute with what is effectively the country of Iceland over the use of our client, the supermarket's trademark for Iceland. And the case effectively is you know, can they have a trademark? Is it right that a, a company can? We say that the current law says, yes, they, they can. But it's been a really interesting case. It's still going on. So there's a limit to what we can say about it. But it was, it was a cool case to work on. It was the first time ever that at the EU intellectual property office, it then got appealed up to the next chain above that. And it was the first time that the Grand Board of Appeal that sort of next chain on the appeal chain that they'd ever done a case in person. And, you know, we got to go out to Alicante in Spain for the hearing a couple of months ago. And it was, it was really interesting. That's such an interesting case to be working on. Um, and thank you both of you for joining me today. It's been great to speak to you both about the work of the innovation team. For the final part of this episode, we'll take a look at the work of the dispute resolution department. I'm joined by Ed, a second year solicitor apprentice, and John, a managing associate in the finance and banking team, and this team is within the wider dispute resolution department. John, could you explain what the dispute resolution department do? Sure. So the dispute resolution department, as the name suggests, helps clients when they're in disputes. We try and resolve it for them. So historically, a lot of firms would have called that a litigation department, but it's a bit broader than that. A really core part of what we do is litigation, so court-based disputes between parties. But beyond that, there's regulatory investigations, there's arbitration, which is a bit like litigation, but in a different forum. There's criminal investigations that we get involved with. So it's, it's a pretty broad department. And could you explain what the finance and banking team do? Because I know you two work together in that team. So the finance and banking department is one of the teams that is split between litigation and regulatory investigations. But all of the work we do focuses on the financial services sector, be it banks or insurance providers or asset managers. And it means that we have expertise in that sector and the sort of documents that our clients will typically encounter in that sector. And what type of clients does the wider team tend to work with? 
it varies a lot from the different teams. It can be individuals who have got into a dispute with another individual. We can act for big corporate institutions, multinational institutions with offices all over the world and anything in between. Ed, when you were working in this team, what was your role? The banking and finance disputes team was my first team at Mishcon. So I think the first part was sort of just becoming familiar with the firm and getting to know the processes, which did take a few weeks to get used to everything. And then I would say my role was very varied, actually, which I really enjoyed. I was involved with lots of different work with different matter partners and fee earners. My role was mostly to support their day-to-day running and management of their different cases. That sounds really interesting. Did you manage to get any court experience in this team? I did. And it was really exciting. So I'm really grateful to have been given that opportunity. There were, I think, three or four different times in which I went to court and all for different various things. So one was for a full trial. Others were sort of more day hearings and assisting at a CMC, which I worked on with Jonathan. So it was really good and insightful to be able to to physically go and visit the courts and see how everything works and be in front of a judge. That's amazing. And I remember how exciting it was when I first walked into a court building. I remember walking up the stairs to the Royal Courts of Justice and thinking, you know, I've seen this on the news before and now here I am at work doing this. Definitely. No, I totally agree. And I think my experience is somewhat similar. It was very daunting. I didn't appreciate that you have to go through security when you first go to court and you're trying to carry paperwork and taking in all your observations. Yeah, so it's definitely an experience. Yeah. It's particularly good when you go to the RCJ, it's just an enormous building. There's loads of cases going on at once. So I was in there over the summer when the Wagatha Christie trial was going on and you see all the paparazzi outside and you think, gosh, they're, they're here to photograph me giving uh, some free advice at the CAV. But it was actually uh, not me that they were after, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm sure they were there to see you. I think that's probably right. Yeah. So Ed, you mentioned that you worked on a CMC. Could you just explain what that is? Yes, so a CMC stands for a case management conference in which the parties on either side will come together to set out how the proceedings of the case will occur. Yes, Ed came with us to a CMC and as he says that happens pretty early on in the proceedings. It's typically only a day long. What it does is it sets out all the procedural aspects of going from starting the proceedings all the way up to trial and it's typically trials that people think of when they think of court cases but a CMC is a really important step to get there and that's why it's really useful to have people like Ed in the team to help us get ready for them. It's really great as well to actually learn the time frame of a usual litigation case because as you say you tend to just focus on the trial but there's so much legwork before that isn't there? Yeah exactly and that was a relatively quick case we had a CMC and then we were meant to be in court for the trial nine months later but it can be I've worked on matters where you have your CMC and trial is set for three years, four years away, and there's an awful lot of work that has to be done in between. All of the work sounds really interesting. Is there a particular case that stands out for you? There's a case I'm working on at the moment. It's a shareholder dispute. Our client had agreed to sell a large number of shares to the other party. And in some ways, it's a run-of-the-mill case, but it's a case I've worked on from the start and I've taken it all the way through and it's been really interesting and exciting to see all the early work you do actually get deployed and utilized in court and we also had a settlement meeting on it recently so I think when people think about dispute resolution they all think it's gearing towards 
going to court at the end. And in some ways, that's one of the results you really want to avoid. If you can avoid the cost and the time and the emotional investment for your client, they'll really thank you for it. And it was my first settlement meeting. And I don't think I'd anticipated how emotionally invested I've become in the matter. So when it got really heated and our clients started arguing with the other side, that I felt really like I was out there gunning for him and trying to to get the best result for him. So that was a, a really interesting day. How often does it go to settlement versus going to court? It will really depend on the individual cases, which feels like a very loyally answer. But if both sides think they have a very strong case, then they might be unwilling to back down. If one side is in a difficult spot financially, it might mean they can't afford to take it all the way to trial. Or conversely, it might mean they really need to get it to trial so they can get a big payout. So there's loads of factors that that play into that decision. But I think I think it's fair to say more cases settle than ever make it to court. The number of cases that are issued and start will be hugely higher than the number of cases that ever make it to a full trial. So when you're in court, are you advocating yourself or does the firm tend to instruct barristers and King's counsel to represent clients? I think typically the answer would be no, I don't do it myself. You can do as a solicitor additional qualifications, which I've done, and it means you can speak in court. But barristers are very specialised and very highly trained to perform that role. So I think it's often in the the client's best interest to appoint them. But we do work with them very closely throughout. It's not like they just turn up for the trial and speak very impressively and convince the judge that they're right. They will often be involved right from the outset before we even send the first letter. I think it's a great experience as well to work so closely with the barristers and the chambers. I've noticed that in some of the seats that I've been in. Definitely, I think one of the highlights for me going to court was watching the barristers advocate on behalf of the clients because they do it in such a way that's so impressive and their ability to think on the spot is definitely very inspirational. Well, thank you so much, Ed and John. It's been great to speak to you and to learn a little bit more about dispute resolution. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And in episode five, we'll be taking a look at three further practice areas at Mishcon, the private department, the employment department and the real estate department. And don't forget, we've got other podcasts in this series too, introducing you to the Solicitor Apprenticeship Programme. If you want to head to our website, we'll have information on application dates for the apprenticeship, along with other information and frequently asked questions.